November 22nd, 2015 was a day that changed our lives forever. So many of you know our story. Uh, Sydney, we found out, was pregnant in uh, the summer of 2015 and around June. And, and this was our first baby and we were so pumped. We had been trying for a while and, and we really believed God was um, just gonna do something awesome and gonna use our little boy for his kingdom in ways we couldn't believe. And our, our prayer the whole time was that God would use our son for his kingdom in ways that we couldn't imagine. That was our prayer the whole time. And so as the pregnancy went along, um, it was November and it was a Saturday night and Sydney had, was not feeling good all weekend. And uh, it was early Sunday morning that she woke me up and said we need to go to the hospital. And we found out pretty quick that things weren't good. And about two hours after being there, we found out that our son was gonna be born that day. And at 22 and a half weeks, uh, that is way, way early for a baby to be born. So I remember praying specifically that God was gonna do a miracle, and we believed that. We believed God was gonna do a miracle in that room, and that God was gonna heal Carson, and everything was gonna be okay. It was gonna be a really hard road in front of us. Um, but we believed that God was gonna do something amazing, and he did have something in store that was incredible and amazing. It just wasn't what we planned. And that afternoon at four o'clock, Carson was born. And it is a, uh, it's a pretty hard deal when, uh, when the doctor tells you that your son is no longer alive. All I felt in that moment was silence. And I didn't know what to say to my wife. I didn't know what to do. Um, I just remember asking God why. So while we were believing that God was gonna do a miracle, um, he did. It just wasn't in the way that we thought. All of us are gonna encounter trials and tragedy in our life. Um, that's a given. Jesus tells us that in scripture, but this was a, a wall that we never saw coming, something that we never planned for. And um, we, we honestly weren't ready for, but in, in our minds, but, but we didn't know that God had been preparing us for this our entire lives. Uh, the prayer that we had prayed all along that God was gonna use our son for his kingdom was coming true in so many different ways than we thought or prayed for. When you go through something like this, um, you're never ready to have another kid. You're never, you're never there, you know? You, um, you just take what the Lord has given you and you, you work with it and you go with it. And um, you find a way just to move on. And um, it doesn't mean that that you're moving past it or forgetting about what happened. Um, it just means that you're um, starting a new journey.
really thankful that God played it out like He did. And you know, our prayer with Carson the whole time was that God would do a miracle and use His life for His kingdom. And for Trent, that's our same prayer, that God would use His life for His kingdom in ways that we could never imagine. much for the ultimate miracle of you rising again from the dead. Father, because of that, we have the opportunity to spend eternity with you and to share you with others who may also be dead. And Father, right now, I pray that we all kind of get out of the way. And Father, I pray that through worship, through teaching, that we will see more miracles tonight happen in this room. Because we do believe in you. 
because we believe in you, I believe in miracles. I thank you for the story of Carson and Brett and Sid, who we all love so much, God. I thank you that they didn't give up or give in, but they pressed up and they pressed in toward you. And I pray that that's something that we all can learn from that tragedy that you have turned into a triumph. Father, we love you and we thank you. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the story of the Highstead family is just, uh, it's, you know, in, in the moment when it's going on as, as a friend, and man, I, I've, I've never experienced anything like that, and I, I cannot imagine, and And just, you know, when, when, as a friend, when you get that phone call and it's two people that you love so much and, you know, you want to do everything you can and you, you really can't do anything. And I'll never forget at the hospital when we all kind of knew what was going on, this hospital lobby of friends just, man, they gathered together and they just prayed for the Highstead family. And it was, it, it was a moment that I, it, it, was, it was powerful. And the prayers were prayers of, of hope and God, you've got this and be with our sweet friends and use this and and he is and he has and he's going to continue to use that moment And I, I pray that tonight through that video and through uh, what we're about to read that you won't miss the miracle because you just got done singing a song, I believe in you, I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles, I believe in you. I mean, it's a very simple song. Like I wrote a very simple song and we're all singing it and he's crushing it out there, but we're singing those songs and I hope you're not just singing a song. Some of you weren't singing at all because you're too busy on your phone or talking to somebody else. I'm not really talking to you guys. I'm talking to the people who were all in singing that. Do you really believe in him? Do you really believe in the God of miracles? Because if you do, man, your, your life's a little different. And when you really see him and you believe in him and you know that he does miracles, people see that in you. So I want to read to you a few verses about a group of people who saw a miracle, but they, didn't, they still didn't believe in him. So John 11, and a lot of you may have heard this story before, and that's great, but I possibly maybe God can teach you something else through what he wants me to say tonight. So John 11, verse 1 now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. John 11, verse two. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus 
now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I love that description. Like John is like perfect. Like who, which Mary? This Mary, the one that poured the perfume. Verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. It's a good one to go to. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this is sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. If you have a Bible or you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to highlight it. If you're on your phone, I want you to, whatever you do there. But it says, no, Jesus says this. It's in red. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. He is saying, if you look back in verse three, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. A lot of us end situations with that period right there. We just kind of like, you know what? Life is hard, things have happened, this is going on, and you let that period be the period of your life. For example, if Brett and Sydney would have allowed the death of their son to be the period in their life, they would not still be married. There's no doubt about it. 80% of people, Brett said, 80% of couples that go through something like that, they end up in divorce. They did not allow that death to be the period in their life. And sometimes hard, not sometimes, hard stuff happens, period. Hard stuff happens, life happens. You're gonna get a phone call, a text message, a Facebook update, an Instagram deal, a Twitter, that something tragic has happened in your life or you feel like you're in this just downward spiral. And here's my encouragement to you tonight. Don't allow the period, don't allow that to be it and that's what defines you. Because again, if, if Brett and Sid would allow that to define them, I honestly don't think that Brett would have used his influence last summer at Beach Retreat. I don't think that Brett would have used his influence on the stage at live and our Sunday morning and all the things that he does, or Sydney, she works in our children's ministry and all the awesome things that she does with those precious children. If they allow the period of death in their life to be the defining moment, then man, who knows whose life wouldn't have been changed. But they decided that that is not gonna be the period in their life, that they are going to call out to who? Jesus, not their best friends, not their pastors, they're gonna decide, hey, you know what? We're gonna use this moment to glorify you, God. And that should encourage you today. Because there's gonna be those times, y'all. And maybe you're in it right now, and you're like, man, I'm there. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Underline that. Because when you're going through it, it's a really good reminder to know that Jesus loves me. Something my wife and I do, and it's whatever, but when our kids have been sick or they're in the hospital or 
they're not feeling good, we, we sing the song, Jesus loves me, and we sing that to them. And now when Ayler doesn't feel good, or even when the baby's crying, they're both singing to Copeland or Emmy to Ayler, and it's just become this thing in our family that when someone is sick or someone's not doing too good, we just let them know, hey, Jesus loves me, and they're singing that. And what a good reminder for us right here that we see in the midst of this tragedy, Lazarus is dead. Verse five, Jesus loves me. Not just some random verse that we kind of skip over when we want to get to the cool part at the end. No, Jesus loves me. Do you know that? When you feel like, man, you go home and your parents aren't doing too hot, you feel like life is crumbling and you're all alone, Jesus loves you. You need to know that. How do you know that? You read about it. How do you know that? When you worship him and you're talking to him daily, you don't miss it. Verse six, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Lazarus is dead. Jesus is like, all right, we're good. We'll wait it out. No, he's, no, 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 no. You need to wake him up. Like, let's go now. Jesus is like, no, hold up, man. Okay, that's good. A game is about to come on. We got to watch it. Like, no, we got to go now. Can you imagine? Jesus is like the ultimate healer. He's like done all these miracles. You, 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 you need this. You need him so be like, hey, seriously, let's go. He's like, no. He's like, okay. Can we go now? Or is this a joke? No. He's like, no, we're going to go hold it out for two days. Think about the one that you love the most in your life, a grandmother, a a mother, a father, your brother, a sister, they need the best doctor in the world. And if they don't go to this doctor, they're gonna die. And the doctor's like, cool, give me two days. You're like, no, I don't think you understand. That's what Jesus is doing here. Cool. Then we'll wait two days. God. Verse seven. And the disciples, and he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. What? I don't understand, Jesus. Fast forward to verse 11. After he said this, he went on to them to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. I'm a morning person, okay? I, I, I just am. It's how I roll. I get up very early. I get up at 5.01 every single day. I can't help it. Even when I'm sleeping in, I get up at 5. Okay? And you're like, I get up at 4. You win, Okay? <laughs> I walked on the moon, beat that. All right, um, I didn't really. Like, that's all you're gonna get. You walked on the moon? No, I'm just scared of that. But y'all know, like, you've got an alarm clock. My bad, you don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> you have your phone, all right? <laughs> like, what's an alarm clock? They're like $2 at Walmart, okay? You can, don't worry about it. But you've got your phone or however you wake up. Maybe you got the watch, it like, you know, jiggles your arm off and it wakes you up. Maybe you got your little brother, your dog, your cat, my cat. <sighs> don't have time for that story, but we got alarm clocks in our life that, you know, and sometimes maybe you're a snoozer, okay? The alarm clock goes off, and you're like, snooze. <sighs> alarm, snooze. Like, some of y'all got like 17 snoozers, okay? I don't know if that's the right word, but that's how I feel. And when you get married, listen to this, listen. When you get married, um, not that I would know, but if you're not married to a morning person, and your alarm goes off and it snoozes like 17 times, it's a bad day, that, ba that day's over, okay? Because 
why don't you just get up? Or you get kicked, or like elbowed, or, or headbutted. That's happened, for real, okay? Look, stop snoozing, okay? But some of us right now are asleep spiritually. And no alarm clock, no iPhone, no Samsung, no nothing is going to wake you up. The only thing that spiritually, check this, the only thing that spiritually is going to wake you up is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, he fell asleep, so I'm going to wake him up. Nothing else is going to wake you up, only Jesus is going to wake you up. If you've got alarms going off in your life, you're like, hey, hey, and you keep, no, I don't want to do, I don't want to deal with Jesus, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. Jesus is like, hey, wake up. Maybe tonight is your night to wake up. Verse 12, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. <laughs> right? If you're sick, you don't feel good. If you're sleeping, I mean, he said he's asleep. Right? You're like, whoa, don't wake the baby. Let him sleep. You don't want to wake up someone, you don't want to wake a bear, okay? Let's let him rest. Because Jesus said he's asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples are like, hey, why are we waking him up? That is rude. Verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Thank you, John, for that explanation. I love you. For, it helped, I'm not kidding. I love reading John. It helps me so much. So what does that mean? It means Jesus was speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, hey, guys, Lazarus is dead. He's not sleeping. He's dead. You morons. Peter's like, no, you said he's asleep. No, he's Peter. I guarantee that's how it went up. Peter, go to your room or your wherever. Shut your mouth. I'm so annoyed, Peter. Verse 15, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. That is rude. <laughs> Jesus, what is wrong with you? What do you mean you're glad you weren't there? Comma. Why? So that you may believe. I believe in you. You just got done singing that. I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? So that you will believe. Why? Because he's about to show them what's up. They're like, oh, this is going to be good. Verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, thank you, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you people? Peter's like, yeah, we need to die too. No, okay. There's a lot there. We don't have time for it. That's verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, check this out. On his arrival, two days later, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Can you imagine? It must have, you know, traffic. Got held up. Dead body, four days. Verse 38, let's fast forward. Jesus, once more deeply moved, once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But, Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's gonna be a really bad odor for he has been in there for days. He's been dead for four days. If you move the rock, then it is gonna smell really bad. 
Jesus, what do you think? You're right. You're right. Leave the rock. Just leave it. No. Verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Oh, yeah. Then they took away the stone. Some of you think that your life is so bad, that your sin is so much, that you have done so many bad things, that God is just nowhere to be seen, that if, man, if, if, if you really lived your life for him, he would not think you're good enough because you think you stink that bad. Well, let me just tell you something. God's not afraid of how bad your sin is or your sin was. He's not afraid of the smell. And so I wanna encourage you tonight, let God move whatever it is out of the way so that he can come into your life or maybe for some of you come back into your life. Move whatever it is out of the way so that God can move in your life. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care about any of that. He wants in right now. So some of us are afraid to do that, to allow God in and to allow him to be the boss of your life and take control. You're like, Michael, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. I don't want to know. God does, and he wants your all, and so let's move whatever it is. Why? So that his glory can be shown in your life. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He says right here to God, he says, God, thank you for hearing me, but that's not the point. The point is, all these people here, they're about to be rocked by what's about to happen, so you better make this a good one. Because when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, what if Lazarus doesn't come out? What if he doesn't come out? Everything is over. But we believe in a God of miracles, and we know that when God says he's gonna do something, something's gonna happen. And so in verse 44, the dead man came out. He came out. You're like, cool. No, let me explain to you something. This guy was dead, and he's now walking. That's a miracle. The problem is, is that we at times in our Christian lives, we don't really understand or we get used to when miracles happen. Let me tell you about a miracle that happens every single week in this room. Someone accepts Christ and someone gets baptized. No doubt about it. It happens all the time. Why? Because you guys invite your friends, I don't get it, to this place and God moves and we see life change happen. That's a miracle. That baptism you just saw on the screen and you all clap for, that's a miracle. But for some times in this Christian world, we're like, oh, cool, someone accepted Christ. No, 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 no. Someone was dead, and they just came alive. We're like, yes! That should never grow old to you. Ever. Why are you yelling? I don't know. Because it fires me up. 
to see so many dead things come to life. Right here, this guy comes walking out. And can you imagine? People are like, oh, it smells. He like can't move. I don't know what it looks like. Like, I, I don't know, okay? I have no clue, all right? But he's, he's like it says he's walking. I don't know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Everybody's like this. Huh? I mean, wouldn't you be? No, you'd be like, Instagram story live. All right, I'm here. I'm here right now. Lazarus. <laughs> you smell that? Instagram live with smell. Boom. You now smell on Instagram live. It is bad. He's walking. And then Jesus, look, you're doing the whole deal there. And look what he says. He says to them, you're like, hey, we're here. Lazarus is out. Take off the grave clothes. I got to go. Because he says, hey, go take off those grave clothes. Because everyone's like. And then Jesus, of all people, I say, hey, why don't we go take that off of him? He says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Tonight, I want to encourage you take off the junk, take off, because there's about 100 pounds of grave clothes that were on him, and when they took it off of him, can you imagine what Lazarus was saying and what he was feeling? He took off 100 pounds of just junk off of him, and he's like, and then he says, let him go. <laughs> and we're like, cool story. No, you, you don't understand. This dude was dead for four days. He had so much junk on him and so many things, all this just blah. And God said, hey, take off that grave clothes and now walk in freedom. And tonight, maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the room right now and you have so much just bondage and so much just, ugh. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't even want to be here. You're really annoying speaker guy up there with blonde hair. I don't like this. And I want to tell you right now, I want to encourage you, maybe possibly God's using me to take the grave clothes off of you so that you can walk in freedom. Maybe that's you tonight. Verse 45 is... A sad verse, but it's a true verse. Therefore, many of the Jews who had all come to visit Mary, therefore, many of the Jews who had all come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. You see, you see that? Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. And that is awesome. But there's a problem with this sentence is that it doesn't say all. There was that one or two or however many people, and this was the time of the Passover feast, which means there were a lot of people in town, kind of like the rodeo. Everybody kind of comes in. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of stuff going on. And Jesus decides, how cool is this? Hey, we're going to wait four days, two days, until a lot of people come in because they're about to see a miracle that I'm about to do. And all these people are coming. They're all right there watching Lazarus come out. In this last sentence, John tells us many not all. There's that one person that says, I mean, if he would have raised two people from the dead, maybe I'd believe. But one. He's the God of miracles. Do you really believe in him? 
For some of you, he has already taken your old, messed up, stinky, grave clothes wearing self and he has brought you from death to life. But for some reason you're like, I don't need him anymore. There's no other God that has done the miracles that God has that Jesus Christ has done. He's done a miracle in my life and I believe in him. He does miracles all the time. I see it daily. But sometimes, listen, we need to open our eyes to be able to really see the miracles. And tonight, I'm praying that he will do a miracle in your life. And so with no one looking around.